The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Good Friday, April 7, 2023, on the basis of verses from Hebrews 4 and 5. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. The year was 1887 when the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche famously wrote, God is dead. And of course, in that year, in 1887, Frederick Nietzsche was absolutely wrong about that. But it's interesting to think about the fact that there was this one day, this day that we remember and celebrate today, when he was actually right. When a person could accurately and correctly say, God is dead. But you know, I want us to think about those words from Nietzsche this evening for a slightly different reason. You see, when Nietzsche said that God was dead, he wasn't declaring something that he believed to be true. Instead, he was describing something. He was making an observation of something that he believed had already happened. He believed that modern, secular society, Western civilization, we might even say, had sort of moved past belief in God. And he was making that observation in order to ask an important question. If God is really dead, what are we going to replace him with? In other words, where are people going to look for all of those things that up until that point they had been looking to God for? And with that question, Frederick Nietzsche was actually onto something very important. In fact, he was on to the very same thing that the writer of the book of Hebrews was on to. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Christians who were thinking about walking away from the Christian faith. In those days, Christianity was illegal. Being a Christian was making their lives hard. And so they were thinking about just throwing their hands up and walking away entirely. And among other things, the writer in this book wants to say to them, well, you can't just walk away from Jesus. Because if you walk away from Jesus, you have to replace him with something else. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that no one who is with us this evening is contemplating walking away from the Christian faith entirely. And yet, I did want us to consider a very much related and very important question. What if we just did away with Good Friday? What if we just skipped it, you might say? I mean, I know quite a few of you were here this past Sunday on the day that we call Palm Sunday, and I think you'd agree that was a very upbeat and festive Sunday. I know that some of you are going to be here two days from now on the day we call Easter, which is the most festive and joyful day of the year. And so what if we just went straight from one directly to the other? What if we skipped all of the stuff that came in between? I mean, I think you'd agree it's a a bit of a downer. It's a bit morbid and certainly sad to consider what happened to Jesus on Good Friday, especially on a day as nice as this one. And it's not like we aren't busy, right? I mean, our schedules, our calendars, they don't suddenly just stop. Life does not grind to a halt for Good Friday the way that it does for Christmas, for example. 
And so I'm guessing there aren't any Christian churches in the world this evening who are setting attendance records on this day we call Good Friday. So maybe we should just wave the white flag, throw in the towel, do away with Good Friday, just skip it entirely. Well, as we consider the implications of that question, maybe it's important to real, for us to realize that in a certain sense, Good Friday is just like any other Friday. Going all the way back to the very beginning of the world, human beings have tended to associate Fridays with the end of work. The day after Friday is, of course, Saturday. And that's when God first rested from the work of creating that he did during the first week of human history. That's also the day he commanded his people to rest when he gave them the Sabbath day law. And even to this day, that day Saturday is still one of the two days of what we call our weekend. And so Friday is associated with the end of work. But of course this Friday is not just like any other Friday. And these words that are in front of us this evening help us see why. There are a lot of different words that we could use to describe this day. We, of course, call it Good Friday. It's an important Friday. It's a unique Friday. It's a sad and somber and solemn Friday. But as we look at these verses from Hebrews 4 and 5 this evening, we're also going to see why we can say that this Friday is the last Friday. All throughout this season of Lent, we've been hearing how the Bible often describes Jesus as if he is sort of this last and ultimate man. The Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. Jesus came to win for the entire human race even more than what the first man, Adam, had lost for us. Well, another way to say that is exactly how the writer of Hebrews says it in these verses. He refers to Jesus as our great high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest was the one who represented the entire nation before God. What the high priest did counted for everyone else. Well, in these verses, the writer wants us to know that as our high priest, Jesus was intimately familiar with the work that God our Father expects us human beings to do. And in fact, we can summarize that work that God requires of us with just one word, the word obedience. Really, every temptation that we would ever face, every test of faith that we would ever undergo happens in exactly the same way. It happens when something that we desire for ourselves conflicts with something that God wants for us. And the way to do the work that God wants us to do, the way to pass that test, is to obey God our Father, to submit our will to his. Well, in these verses, the writer tells us that Jesus, our high priest, has been tempted, has been tested in every way just as we are. Now, unlike us, Jesus' heart wasn't full of desire for all kinds of things that were explicitly sinful. But Jesus still had to obey his Father. In his mission as the world's Savior, he had to submit his will to his fathers. And in fact, as that mission neared its completion, Jesus sort of faced his last and greatest test. You see, it is completely natural. In fact, it is good and right for a human being not 
to want to die. And so it's no surprise that as Jesus' death drew near, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he did exactly what the writer says here, with fervent cries and tears, he called out to his Father in heaven and asked him to spare him from death. But when the answer to that prayer came back, no, Jesus obeyed. Jesus submitted his will to his Father's, and in so doing, he completed perfectly the work God had given him to do, and by extension, the work God has given us to do. I know it won't come as a surprise for me to tell you that when it comes to those very same tests, when you and I face them, we often fail, and fail in spectacular fashion. In fact, not only do we often not obey God, very often we actually expect God to obey us. We assume that God is going to be okay with whatever we might desire in our hearts. We assume, we convince ourselves that of course God wants us to live a life that brings us happiness and fulfillment and so of course he's going to sanction whatever behaviors will help us do that so long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Well, as a result of our failure of those tests, there was a, a price that needed to be paid. There was a penalty that needed to be administered. And in fact, that's maybe what we think of first and foremost when we think of Good Friday. When Jesus died on the cross, he was offering his life as that payment. He was suffering the punishment that our guilt deserved. But if that was it, where do you think that would leave us? A clean slate, I suppose. A fresh start, sure. But then we'd have to get right back to work. That obedience that God requires of us would still need to be rendered. Those tests that God's will forces us to take would still need to be passed. And so it's really no wonder that for as often as we fail the tests that God's will forces us to take, we actually construct and self-administer tests of our own. For as often as we pursue the desires of our own heart in pursuit of pleasure, there are just as many times where we're actually pursuing misery. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, out of all the things in your life that cause you stress and frustration, and challenge and heartache, how many of them are self-inflicted? That there is some self-imposed standard that you are trying to live up to? Some self-administered test that you are trying to pass? Well, here's what a successful, well-educated, middle-class suburbanite ought to look like. Here's what a successful, loving parent ought to look like. Here's what being one of the cool kids ought to look like. Here's what being a responsible citizen of planet Earth or a responsible member of the human race ought to look like. And then we struggle and we sweat and we sacrifice and we bring all kinds of misery into our lives trying to live up to those self-inflicted standards, 
trying to do on our own the work that God expects out of us, trying to prove our worth. Friends, when Jesus offered his life on the cross on Good Friday, there were two very important things that happened. Yes, Jesus was making the payment. He was suffering the punishment for all of our sins. But he was also perfectly completing the work that God required of the human race. He was offering his Father in heaven perfect obedience, finishing his work by extension, finishing our work. Which is why rather than thinking that we still need to do that work to please our Father in heaven by obeying him, what we need to do instead is obey Jesus, God's Son. That's what the writer says at the end of these verses. He says that once Jesus was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So let me ask, when you think about obeying Jesus, what types of things come to mind? It occurred to me this week that Jesus asked his followers to do a lot of difficult things at times. He once told a man that he had to sell all of his possessions and give them away to the poor. He told all of his followers that they needed to be devoted to him even more than they loved their family, their spouses, their parents, their children. He told his followers to be ready to endure suffering and persecution for him. He told his followers to be ready to chop off their own hands and gouge out their own eyes if those parts of their bodies were causing them to sin. And yet if you ask me, hands down, the most difficult thing that Jesus asks his followers to listen to and obey is something he says on Good Friday. Something he said from the cross. In fact, it really echoes what the writer of the Hebrews is saying here and uses, in fact, the very same language. Here the writer says that once Jesus had, had rendered this obedience, he was made perfect. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying from the cross when he said, it is finished. The work. The work that God required of Jesus and the work that God requires of us is finished. It's done. And listening to those words, trusting Jesus when he says that is the thing that makes him the source of eternal salvation for us, the source of perfect and eternal rest. It also lets us know what would happen if we did, in fact, decide to do away with Good Friday, if we decided to just skip from Palm Sunday to Easter. And I'm not even just talking about making sure that we as a church still have a service and you as people still come to that service two days before Easter. Even more than that, I'm talking about making the events of Good Friday and keeping them at the very center of what we believe about Jesus. If we were to do away with it, then this Friday would be just like any other Friday. Yes, it's nice when the work comes to an end, but I don't know about you, but every Friday I've ever experienced, 
is eventually followed by another Monday. No matter how relaxing the weekend might be, eventually it's back to work. And that would be the endless, miserable fate that you and I would be stuck with if not for this day. The work never done. Always more to do. Always more to prove. And so listen to God's Son when he says it. Obey him when he says it is finished. That's what makes this Friday not like any other Friday. That's what makes it, yes, a good Friday, an important Friday, a unique Friday, a sad and a somber Friday, but that's what also makes this Friday the last Friday. The Friday after which there are no more Mondays. If we don't get rid of this Friday, we don't have to replace it with something else. If we listen and obey when God's Son says to us, it is finished. We never have to go back to work. Amen.